What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Squire. I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on social media, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Anchor as well, and we are officially now on Spotify. Just type in keyword TSK show to find us. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you decide to listen to the TSK show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. On this episode of the TSK show, Tyler and I recap the Toronto Raptors winning their first NBA championship in their franchise's history. Also, we're joined by my buddy Danny Mags, who is actually from Canada and currently lives in Toronto to discuss what happened in the six when the Raptors won the championship. There's also big news out of Lakerland as the Lakers and Pelicans have reportedly agreed to a trade involving Anthony Davis. So we will go over all of the specifics and what it means for both teams. We'll also discuss the news about trouble brewing in Houston between Chris Paul and James Harden. To close the show, we will preview the NBA draft as it is set for tomorrow night in Brooklyn, New York at the Barclays Center. All right, let's start the show. What's going on, TP? How you doing, man? Doing all right, man. I uh, I was playing some hoops yesterday, and I took a I took a pretty pretty mean charge type of contact, and hey. my neck's killing me. Oh no. See, that's got always some, got some serious whiplash the next morning. That's or always felt like I got some serious whiplash the next morning. Always the risk when you when you're taking a charge. But hey, at least you took one. It wasn't necessarily that I was taking a charge, but it you know the same effect. Guy just ran right through me. Oh, jeez. Put me on my back. It was pretty. pretty I popped right back up, but the adrenaline, you know. So yeah. Hey, I just got uh, I got cleared to start being able to play again. I asked my physical therapist uh, the other day if I could start shooting hoops again, and she said, yeah. There it is. So uh, my hand is all back to normal. We're loving it, and the Raptors are NBA champions. Yep. What a world we live in. Rap show. They, uh, they won the series 4-2, to two, game 6, yeah. one, 118 to 109. We said uh, we, we got our episode in quickly before, yeah. before the game started last week. I literally posted the episode and edited it from the Buffalo Wild Wings we watched the game from. Uh, yes, sir. Got a couple looks uh, from some people just sitting at the table doing doing the work. Doing and, homework. Yeah, and uh, we got it done. We got it up, and we watched the game. It was a great game, and it was the last game at Oracle ever. And the Raptors were ready, yep. no doubt. Yeah. Kawhi ended with uh, 22 points, six rebounds, three assists. He was your finals MVP. Lowry ended up having probably his best game of the, the finals with 26 points, seven rebounds, and 10 assists. Started out really hot with 11 points, going four for four to start the game. Siakam had another great game, 26 points, 10 rebounds, three assists. Ibaka contributed 15 points off the bench, and then the dad, Fred Van Vliet, 22, 22 points off the bench. 12 of his 22 were in the fourth quarter. He hit three threes in the in the fourth that were big time for the Raptors as they were trying to put away the Warriors to close it out. 
on on the other side, obviously Steph Curry had 21 points. He only scored four points in the fourth quarter, and he took some heat on the internet definitely because he noticeably switched off of Fred Van Vliet multiple times uh, at points during the fourth quarter to have yeah. other people guard him. So Steph kind of kind of took some heat on the internet from from That's some right. people, but uh, nonetheless, Clay game six Clay. Was doing his thing. Yeah. 30 points. Yep. Uh, he got injured in the third quarter, and we'll get to that in a second because I have to shout out what uh, Draymond did. He was everywhere at every point of the game. That man was like the Tasmanian devil uh, during game six. He had 11 points, 19 rebounds, and 13 assists. Yeah. And uh, we kept saying to each other while we were watching the game with uh, Blake and Rafi, uh, our good buddies, uh, they that Draymond was doing everything he could uh, and really putting the team on his back on defense. Yeah, and he was just making the smart play, yeah. just playing the game. Yeah. Now, the Raptors – well, before we talk about the Raptors, like I was saying, game six clay was a real thing. He was on a fucking roll. Mm-hmm. In the third quarter, he hit two big threes as the Warriors were trying to extend their lead. Uh, and then on a fast break, he went for a dunk, I think, to kind of put an exclamation point on the run he was going on and the run the Warriors were going on. And Danny Green went right up with him. It was a clean contest. Uh, Danny Green had some comments after the game where he was asked uh, if any of the Warriors said anything to him. And he said, yeah, they they were all, like, no hard feelings. Like, you, it was a clean play. We know you're not a dirty player. Yeah. Uh, it was a – it. Clay just came down awkwardly. Yeah, uh, no. It, natural, natural play. Yeah. And ultimately it was determined he tore his ACL. He did come back and knock down both free throws, similar to how Kobe did it when he ruptured his Achilles. So I thought that was really, really cool because if Clay – Clay initially went almost all the way to the locker room, and then if he didn't come back and shoot the free throws, he wouldn't have been potentially able to enter the game, re-enter the game if he was healthy enough to. And he was yeah, really, he yeah. was really trying to. Yeah, yeah. So he had to come back out and shoot the free throws, and it was awesome to watch. Initially, when it happened, I mean, we were together and we were in shock. Like we yeah. were just like, not, not this way. Didn't see, it. yeah, didn't see it coming like that. But I mean, we knew we knew it was hurt, you know. Yeah, when, when we saw the replay, we knew but something it's still was sad. I mean, just all the shit that the team had to go through with KD to have it happen to Clay too is a tough L to take. Yeah. Now, realistically, his free agency option—he's going to resign with Golden State. They're going to give him the max. They've already basically said that they're going to offer KD and Clay the maxes this summer. KD is a little bit more of a question mark with his situation, but Clay is obviously going to take this long-term security. He deserves that money. They wouldn't have won the three championships that they won without him. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, it was the Raptors' night. Yep. We know it was the last game in Oracle, but the yeah. Raptors were one able the, to steal it. One of the most unlikely champions I've ever watched, for sure. Yeah, it, but it was it was a great game. It was a great game. Very 2010 Dallas, 2004 Detroit. I mean, it's 2011 Dallas. It, or 2011 Dallas. It was just a, 
just didn't see it coming. I didn't pick the Raptors to win any of their series outside no. of the first round. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I was wrong. I was wrong against Philly. I was wrong against Milwaukee. Uh, I was wrong against Golden State. And they just kept proving me wrong. I mean, Kawhi's, the, Kawhi's that good. You know, he's he's in the Mount Rushmore of the NBA. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, the sky's the limit for his legacy. Yeah, and he's. I think he's. I think he now is just in a race with Braun to be the first star to win with three teams. Yeah, hundred percent. Now you know, he is. No, no one's ever done that. That's the one. That's one of the things I think uh, is a way you can pass up. Like if you if you want to get close to Jordan, and you can't win six, you know, six yeah. out of six. The only thing next to like being that difficult is winning everywhere you go. And Kawhi could potentially do that all before he's thirty. Yep. Which is yep. unreal. Yeah, no, he's off to an unreal start to have two finals, two finals MVPs, and two teams. It's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Now, I want to I want to talk about kind of the environment of the Buffalo Wild Wings we were in because we were definitely outnumbered. We were rooting for yeah. game. We, were, we weren't we were rooting for the Warriors. We were rooting for game seven because yeah. we just love yeah, basketball yeah, and want to see I more basketball. I couldn't once root against the Warriors, and I couldn't once root against the Raptors, yeah. especially with all the circumstances with the Warriors. It made them more likable, I think, when got, when stars go down. Yeah. I think people want to see the underdog win, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like I, I would have been happy with whoever won. Well, and we – But it was just incredible that that that, uh, that Buffalo had to be 80 to 90% Toronto Raptors. I'd say fans. more. And it was – I mean, it was as loud as I've ever heard it in yeah. any Buffalo Wild Wings. You know yeah. what I mean? Conor McGregor fights, freaking, you know, Golden State Warriors Championship, Dodger World Series. The Kings winning their first Stanley yeah, Cup. There was a, there's been a ton of stuff I've seen happen in Buffalo. Wings, <laughs> yeah. This is right up there with one of the craziest. It just being a Toronto team winning it against the California team. Yeah, and what's crazy is we spent the entire podcast last week talking about how we thought the Warriors were going to win big in their last game in Oracle, extend the series to game seven, yep. potentially come back from being down 3-1 and yep. exercising all of their demons. And we were just flat out wrong. Yeah, that's that's about it. You know, I just – I thought the Warriors were unbeatable. You know, I, I questioned them at first. Then I learned to just bite my tongue and accept their dominance. And now, you know, now it's just you see it – it's transitioning. I don't think the dynasty is over by any means. I could almost guarantee Steph, Clay, and Draymond will go to another championship together. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but uh, I don't think this dynasty is over. I think those three have all earned max deals. Uh, I think the, those three guys are basketball players. They'll probably play until their mid to late 30s. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, you know, this Warriors team is special. But, you know, it was tough, tough draw losing KD. Tough draw losing Clay. A couple different times, um, but there's no asterisks in championships. You know, yeah. the Raptors went out and they won that shit. Hundred percent. Not only did they do that, they beat the unbeatable team in Oracle in their last game. So yeah, and people people that want to put an asterisk on this, you're just not. You can put. A, I, I'll go. I'll get so so pissed about that kind of stuff. You just you know, can't you can put one on every championship. You can't undermine what the Toronto Raptors players have done this entire right. season and it's a by, yeah, it's by a putting an asterisk on this championship. They worked so hard from August, September in I, training camp and all of that all the way to June. I truly believe you could you could put an asterisk on any championship. You know what I mean? There's some team out there 
it'll say we would have won if this didn't happen. Nobody remembers. You know I mean? Nobody remembers in '89 that Magic and Byron Scott were hurt and the Pistons won the championship, and that because Magic and Byron couldn't play in '89. That's why the Pistons won. All yeah. they remember is the Pistons Jam- won that yeah. year. Jam- There's no excuses at championships. Yeah, exactly. And with that, the first, it being the first championship in franchise history, the first international NBA champion ever. Uh, obviously, I'm a Twitter fiend. Like I, I'm, I'm on it a majority of the time, just going through sports Twitter. Uh, I found a bunch of stuff that I just found interesting, and I, I want to get Tyler's reaction on to, to stuff that uh, contributes to all the different storylines that all converge at one, the Toronto Raptors winning the NBA championship. Now, Kawhi Leonard is the third player to win finals MVP at 27 or younger. Magic Johnson and Tim Duncan are the only other two to do that. Uh, Kawhi received 10 out of 11 finals MVP votes. Hubie Brown was the only person not to vote for Kawhi Leonard. He voted for Fred Van Vliet, of all people, which I thought was kind of cool that Hubie Brown, someone yeah. someone who's so respected in the NBA circle and in the NBA world. I used to uh, have such a – I used to love listening to Hubie Brown talk in the last four or five years. He, I feel like he's lost it. He's he, gotten older. He's. I think uh, – I think – <laughs> I think he just finally hit that guy. But I mean, it's cool that I mean, listen. No, I mean, Fred I Van guess Vliet, if you want to waste your 11th vote, I mean, that's the kind of shit where it's just like, yo, I'm taking Hebe <laughs> off the panel next year. <laughs> He's voting for Fred Van Vliet. But without Fred, they wouldn't have won. And but, but that's like a that's like a that's like a feel good medal. It's like, oh, Fred Van Vliet deserves something. Yeah, but he's not the mo- he's not the MVP. So no. it's like you wasted that vote. But you know what I mean, I mean, listen, you took that away from Kawhi being a unanimous. MVP. For someone who doesn't think Finals MVP matters, you're getting pretty hot over this. I, I it's voting in general. <laughs> it's like, dude, it's when people vote like I'm just giving you some if shit. If pe- when people vote like that, it's just like you're taking away. Like you have to. I know that, like, you know, even if you know. So and so is gonna get the MVP. You don't just throw a vote somebody else's way because yeah. you like want them to feel good. Dwayne Wade got an uh, all second NBA team vote this year, so yeah. So that's like that person should be taken off the panel because <laughs> obviously you can't take this seriously. All right. And and you want to judge athletes on this kind of shit. Yeah. Now, all right. There's a lot of Kawhi stuff with this, and I'm gonna try and get through it to get to some more some other Raptors. But Kawhi at 27 is now a Two-time champ, two-time finals MVP, two-time defensive player of the year, three-time all-star, two-team first-team all-NBA, and a two-team first-team all-defense. He's the only player to win finals MVP in both conferences. Uh, Some people were saying Kareem did it, but Milwaukee was in the West at the time when uh, Kareem won finals MVP when Milwaukee won the NBA championship. And then – well, Milwaukee was – So it's a meaningless stat. It's a, but no one gives a shit. But it's cool. He that got two finals MVPs. Yeah, he got two finals. Yeah. Now another cooler, little lesser known. Kawhi broke a 13-year streak of yeah. Nike or yeah. Nike subsidiary athletes. Yeah. Converse. Good for Kawhi. Uh, I'm glad it was. There was no Adidas, motherfucker. Yeah. So he's he New broke, Balance. You can take that. Dub. Yeah. So th- it was a 13-year streak of Nike or Nike subsidiary athletes winning finals MVP and. Also, the last eight finals MVPs have all been small forwards. And a lot of people say the NBA is now a guard-driven league. 
Uh, but listen, oh, the small forward has run the league. That's that's what it's always. You yeah. Know, like Kobe and Mike were like, this is the perfect basketball player, six six two twenty. Yeah. Then the game progressed where it's six eight two forty. Yep. You know that's that's how it goes. That's the perfect NBA body. Kevin Durant, LeBron James, they've held kind of they've held the top spot with the Kawhi Leonard's and, and now the Giannis's. Like that is the elite position. Even though there's a bunch of good elite point guards, uh, those forwards, uh, those versatile scoring forwards are just unstoppable yeah uh 22 year old Kawhi helped the spurs stop the heat big three from three-peating and won finals mvp while doing so and now 27 year old Kawhi stopped the warriors dynasty from three-peating and won finals mvp while doing so he's officially a dynasty killer well and he also uh there was a third three-peat that he stopped in the west as well uh it might, I think it was the I think it was the Lakers. It might have been the Lakers. I think the Lakers, in the Western Conference Finals. I think the Lakers lost to the Spurs after they won had won two championships. No, because that was no, it was Dallas. the Mavs. It was the Mavs. Yeah, there was a third. There was three, and that was two years. That was two yeah. seasons before Kawhi it, played in the it NBA. It must have been. Uh, God, what was it? I'll I'll, I'll remember it. Okay, well I'll, I'll move it. on. I'll I'll remember it later. Kawhi and Pascal Siakam scored the second most combined points by a duo in a single postseason. Together, they scored 1,187 points. Only LeBron and D-Wade scored more in 2012. Uh, LeBron and D-Wade scored 1,222 points. So that's pretty cool. Uh, they're like, they have more points than Shaq and Kobe, more points than Scotty and Michael. And I believe it was Hakeem and Kenny the Jet Smith, or Clyde Drexler, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, Hakeem and Clyde Drexler. Kawhi was the highest drafted player on the entire Raptors roster. He went 15th overall. Obviously, he was drafted by Indiana and then traded on draft day to the Spurs. Six Raptors players went undrafted. Five were in the first round and five were in the second round. So They're doing some good up there. Yeah. They're a, building the team the right way. Um it's good not to build around it's good not to build around people like Kawhi, you know, just because you're probably not gonna keep those guys. Yeah. Getting these basketball players that other people are missing on is really how you keep a good, you know, franchise rolling when you're not a big market. Yeah. Now I got a a few more. This one you're probably just gonna throw away, but Patrick McCaw has never not won an NBA championship. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. No matter no matter what role you play, you not got a, a ring. Not a bad not a bad way to start the, start the career. No, Mark and Pau Gasol are the first set of brothers to yeah. win NBA titles, which yeah. is awesome. Awesome uh, and surprising. Huge honestly. for huge for Mark Gasol to get that ring, that ever elusive ring. Also, Serge Ibaka getting a ring. Yeah, love guys. Uh, last four guys to finish with at least twenty five points and ten rebounds in a road win to clinch an NBA championship are Shaq, D-Wade, LeBron, and Pascal Siakam. <laughs> nice. Good list. Yeah, no, definitely good names to be surrounded by for Pascal Siakam. Another one, Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet were a part of the 2017 G League championship, yeah, championship by, team. Coached by Nick Nurse. Yeah, Nick Nurse was the coach of that team. Or he, he was, I don't believe he was the head coach. I think he was an assistant because Jerry Stackhouse was the coach of that team. Oh, so he must have won his championship somewhere else. Nick Nurse won the G League. He's the first coach to win the G League yeah. and the NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was – I believe So it, it must was, be different teams. I was just assuming. I didn't know. I didn't know that – But Nurse was on that staff. Nice. That's, that's awesome. And then uh, 
two, the last two, the la- the three East te- Eastern Conference teams to win an NBA championship this decade are the Heat, the Cavs, and the Raptors. Wait, say that again. The only Eastern Conference teams. The only Eastern Conference teams to win an NBA championship. In the last two decades. No, in the last decade, last ten years, starting with the Lakers winning in 2010 yeah. to now. The only three Eastern Conference teams to win an NBA championship are the Heat, the Cavs, and the That's Raptors. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I think in a ten-year span to have three, and is, those are is pretty good. Those are non—I mean, you've, blue you blue blood really if, franchises. If, no, those are great. Outside of, I mean, my Miami's only looked upon as like a blue blood because of Pat Riley. But, I mean, they're one of the newest franchises in the NBA. Exactly. They're only like 25, 26 years old. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I think that they're. They're, they might be a top five or six newest team in the league. But they have but, four but had, NBA championships. And they had really or good. three NBA They had really good, like, they had those um, polarizing players in the 90s with Tim Hardaway Jr. Alonzo Mourning. Tim Hardaway Jr. Wow, that's that that makes me feel old right Tim there. Hardaway Sr. Tim Hardaway, that's it. And, <laughs> and Alonzo Mourning. <laughs> Um, you know, they had a lot of great players in the 90s where – and then when, you know, Pat Riley getting involved, they just seem like they are. Yeah. But Toronto and uh, – The Cavs. And Cleveland, like, that's great for the NBA. And Cleveland, the, Cleveland only has one. Yeah, it's – there's been a good amount of, you know, these small – not that Toronto's a small market, though. You know, it's, it's – No, still, Toronto's not. It's still pretty big, but it is in the NBA in the sense it's in Canada. Like, yeah. It's like Minnesota. No one wants to play there. <laughs> yeah. Now, the last one, both times the Warriors dynasty lost a championship. It was on their home fuller, and this one was the last game ever at Oracle Arena. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's too bad. Today's also the anniversary of... You, you, those things only happen if you get to the finals. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, other teams, they don't have to feel bad about that because they ain't been there. Yeah. So that's one of those things where you take it on the chin. It sucks, but... Yeah. It's also, today's the anniversary of when the Cavs came back from 3-1. Yeah. So... There's that. So before we get into the Anthony Davis trade, we have a very special treat for you guys. Insane, just insanely fortunate to get this uh, this kind of interview. This yeah. kind of matchup of time. Yeah. So a buddy of mine, one of my fraternity brothers from college, his name is Danny Mags. He is a resident of Toronto. <laughs> he is born and raised in Toronto. And the night they won the championship, he hit me up and said, yo, I want to come on the show and talk about the Raptors winning the championship. And I said, yeah, of course, let's do it. So without further ado, we welcome to the TSK show, a buddy of mine and one of my fraternity brothers, a resident of Toronto, Danny Max. What's up, Danny? How's it going? Gentlemen, it's going well. Thank you very much for bringing me on board. Crazy yeah. to get someone from Toronto on the on the phone right after this championship. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's something that yeah, had. We're riding the wave. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's something that had to be done. Uh, Danny is live in Toronto right now, so if there is some audio technical difficulties, we do apologize. We're gonna work blame, our work blame, our best to get through it. Blame it on Canada. <laughs> no, I'm just no, we're not. Blame it on Canada. That's <laughs> how it works, man. You can't blame anything on Canada right now except the swarm of disappointed Golden State Warriors fans. We'll take the blame for that one. That's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, real quick, before we get into the Raptors, why don't you kind of yeah. give, give the people uh, a little bit of a background about, your, about yourself and your sports background, who your teams are, uh, kind of just let the people know who you are. 
Yeah, man. Um, so I, uh, I've been a big sports fan for like ever. Um, from Toronto, grew up here, uh, live here still. I mean, I, I jaunted around to the West Coast. Eric, that's obviously where I met you. Yep. When I was living in LA for uh, a little bit, a couple of years ago. But, um, man, I'm just a guy that likes cheering on his hometown. So I'm, uh, I'm feeling the rush pretty good about all this right now. It's crazy, man, because I'm not even the biggest Raptors fan in the universe. Like compared to some of the other guys that are in the city, it's it's embarrassing. But. Uh, <laughs> Man, everybody in the city, I mean, everybody is feeling good right now about this. Yeah, no, I mean, I always knew you as more of a hockey guy, but as, yeah, a, yeah, as, a, sports, yeah. as a sports fan, you understand what a championship means and all of that, and you embrace Toronto as a city that you root for in, in your sports fandom. So I can, I can understand you taking a little bit uh, of Raptors credit right now. Well, okay, full disclosure, there are going to be at least two times in this conversation where I circle back to the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's going to happen. It's, it's <laughs> unavoidable. Um, if you ever get me on the show again, if I don't totally uh, screw this up, then you can just expect any time I'm on it will circle back to the Leafs. But I promise it's going to be with good reason. Um, <laughs> well, all right, that's your first one, so you got one more. Oh, no, well, that was just like the, the warning. Oh, got right? you, so okay. It's, it's technically three if that's how we're going to go. All right, all right. So let's let's get right into it. How old were you when the Raptors had their first season? Let's let's start let's start there. Okay, so ninety five season, I would have been four and a half. I think I guess they turned five during their first season. Um, and I can't remember it too well. Like I don't remember as a kid any hype about uh, Toronto's got a basketball team now. Like my dad is the biggest Raptors fan I know, and. Um, I don't really remember a time without the Raptors. And so obviously, you know, like my dad, big sports fan too, but the Raptors are, are far and away his favorite. And he's a basketball guy. I don't, you know, just kind of happened naturally. Okay. All right. Now present day, what, what did it mean for the city when they won the championship? Like when the, when the, when the clock hit zero and the buzzer went off and, and Kawhi raised his two fists and let out a, his first smile, probably in all of the playoffs. What what was that like for the city? Well, okay, you got to understand a couple things um, about Toronto, right? So, one, uh, we we like a winner. You know, like we you want to make the the fans in Toronto happy. All you got to do is win. Like that's just all the other stuff falls to the wayside. Um, you know, as mad as everybody was uh, about Demar leaving, because everybody in the city loved Demar Derozan. Fine, I shouldn't say everybody, but yeah, I think I'd nice chunk of the Raptors fan base was a DeRozan fan when he goes away when you got Kawhi coming in we know that that means it's a better shot of the championship so it's like nobody's even that upset about it and they delivered so to feel the W I mean it's huge but it's also totally unexpected that's the other thing man we don't know how to deal with winning I don't know if you know this it doesn't happen in Toronto very much we're a city full of disappointment. We're a city uh, whose you know biggest team in the city that would be the Leafs is on a, a fifty-one two-year, uh, I guess a yeah fifty-two-year championship drought. So we are really used to getting our hopes up and being terribly disappointed. So it's kind of surreal, man. Yeah, that's cool. First experience. That's uh, that's how I felt when the Seahawks won it. It just like it never. I I wondered if I'd ever see a. I'm from Seattle, and I wondered if I'd ever see a championship 
And then when it finally came, I didn't even know how to how to react. It's pretty. It was pretty wild. See, I'm I'm the spoiled one in the bunch right yeah. now because I've had I'm saying, I've had man. five Lakers championships in my life. Yeah, that's why you gotta you gotta appreciate it. The coolest thing about this, I think, is a crowning moment. Um, a lot of comparables to the '93, uh, or I guess the '92 World Series for the Jays for the first one, right? Yeah. Where. You, you know the city's like you've seen this team grow since the beginning what i thought was super crazy was uh yesterday i was just kind of going through a list of uh it was it was a random list top 30 all-time raptors games played regular season now i'm, I'm flipping through this list and the thing that struck me is like man i remember all these guys i remember there's not one guy on that list that i wasn't yeah, that who wasn't playing for the team when I was cheering for the team. Like, it's not like these are guys that were playing in the 60s and 70s and I've only ever heard stories about it. I've seen it all. Yeah, that's... And you look at the, when you look at the legacy of a team and then you finally get the championship and you realize that you technically have been there every step of the way, it's a weird feeling. You feel that much more connected to the history. Yeah, that's a dope experience to, to see the start to finish. I mean, I remember when the Raptors came into the league, so... And I would love to see that list. It, that's uh, that's pretty sweet to to say that you've watched them all. You know what I mean? Well, it's just, but it's, it's random guys, right? It's guys yeah. that have no business being <laughs> yeah. uh, like talked about in any kind the of Jose Calderon's, Jamal McGlure's. Like, well, no, Cal- yeah. Calderon's on the, the like, Alvin Williams two or three on the list. But like, yeah, talk about guys like uh, Jerome Williams or like. You know, even I guess Patrick Patterson's kind of reason, Mo but like some other guys. Mo Pete's a good one. Well, Mo Pete's Mo Pete's great. I mean, like that whole stretch <laughs> of the NBA or uh, franchise history <laughs> that early two thousands thing, man. But like, it's such a weird list. Like you're looking at it, and then you compare yeah. that obviously to something like the Lakers or Celtics list, and you're looking at all these guys. That, yeah, for sure. You know, no, it's a it's, it's We a haven't cool. even brought up Vince yeah. and T Mac because they're kind of the obvious ones. Yeah, right. All right, so. So I mean, look, it's a. No, go for it. Go for it. Well, look, if, if you're bringing up Vincent T-Mac, I think that's a really important point to talk about, too, is that when I say that we're used to disappointment, it's a combination of disappointment and feeling like we're the forgotten franchise where um, T-Mac didn't want to play here. Vince didn't want to play here. And I'm the, I'm the big, you know, there's a big portion of another Raptors fan base that still thinks Vince's number should be retired. I'm not on that side. Ooh. I think Vince is a scumbag for how he left the team. That's a hot take. Um, well, like, okay, well, I mean, we're not going to rip on Vince here. Like, dude's had a great career, but, man, he didn't want to play for the Raptors anymore. He was faking injuries and telling yeah. other guys on the court, like opponents, what the plays were going to be type thing. Like, yeah, dude no. just didn't care. So, yeah, no bueno. But, like, that's what we've had to experience as Raptor fans. The narrative around the world, like, Mighty Mouse, man. Damon Stoudemire, the franchise's first draft pick, was like, I'm out of here. Yeah, so, and it, it was shout-out Kyle Lowry for wearing that jersey to the parade. No, seriously, man. So it's like we're sitting there after experiencing all of this, and finally, in the past couple of years, uh, in large part thanks to what Masai Ujiri has done in reconstructing the culture around the franchise, but most importantly, the W's piling up, um, we feel like we are a real basketball city and that this is a place where players should want to play and the validation that comes with winning a championship is, is I think what makes this so special. Like, there's a whole lot of underlying stuff there. And of course it's the national thing too. First one outside of the United States. Yeah. And when there's only one team in the country, RIP Vancouver Grizzlies, then you've got to get behind them. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. 
All right. So where were you when they won? So I was just watching my place. Like there was a whole bunch of different uh, viewing parties and stuff going on, but we had about uh, eight people over my apartment. Now I live in the north part of the city. Um, I'm not close to downtown. I'm not close to the arena. Um, it's probably a good 15, 20 miles, maybe 15 miles downtown. Um, so the craziest thing is right after the final horn and then all the, the like we're watching holding our breath because uh, there's the review and the the foul call and the timeout like nobody knows what the hell's going on you've got this feeling that uh well hold on does this mean we win like i kind of think this means <laughs> we win um, and then you know finally it plays out after an agonizing amount of time you it's surreal and then i went outside my apartment like right away and all, immediately, and I, it's not like there's a ton of bars or anything near my place. I'm on a major street. I am on Young Street, but I'm still north. I'm far. People just leaning on the horns, people hanging out at car windows, people like twirling their shirts off and, and spinning them in the air and just like screaming and honking and traffic for this 15-mile stretch from the north end of the city right to downtown where the arena is, like totally gridlocked. Oh, how, how many people live in Toronto? Do you know? Um, Toronto, three and a half million, and, and, um, and two million showed up. More than that, and two million oh, no, showed up to the parade. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's more when you factor in like the areas around. It's kind of like yeah. you know, Los Angeles, yeah. and Orange County, and everything else is close enough that it, it's a bigger metro yeah. area. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you you had people, so they did these viewing parties. I don't know what kind of coverage you guys saw in the states. I'm actually really curious to hear about that, but. There was viewing parties outside the arena. They call the area Jurassic Park. That, yeah, um, that was that was really the main shot that we saw of any viewing party. They cover that pretty extensively. Yeah. Well, okay. So to give you some, to give you some idea here, that's Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park has been around since the infamous F Brooklyn moment from I want to say 2013, 14. Um, Jurassic Park has been a thing for viewing parties. Uh, during this playoff run, Jurassic Parks popped up all across the country in other places in Ontario, maybe smaller communities outside of Toronto, but also in other cities, Calgary had one, you know, you had one in, uh, Regina, Saskatchewan, you know, that's crazy. What they did is they opened up the big football stadium there, which, uh, used a massive, massive, um, capacity and it was full with just people watching the Raptors in the middle of Regina Saskatchewan which I can tell you because I lived there very briefly they don't care about basketball yeah just the whole like, the whole country the was consumed by it yeah so when you get talk about two million people showing up to the parade that's what I'm saying about the national influence is that everybody was feeling this uh it also doesn't hurt that the no other Canadian teams uh, we're playing anything meaningful right now. Like all the hockey is, uh, all the Canadian teams got knocked out of the hockey playoffs. That's one. Two, the Blue Jays are terrible right now. So you know anybody needs some reprieve from watching the Jays, which means you're switching on the basketball and you're just looking for a reason to get excited. So when the whole country's getting excited, that's where you get that two million people coming into Toronto for the parade. There was, uh, you had people that were driving in ten hours to come to Toronto, not for the parade to line up to watch those games in Jurassic Park beforehand and then Unreal. of course more stick around Unreal. after. It's a serious thing. We're not used to it. So did you go to the parade? I didn't. Oh, um, damn it. 
No, I know, I know. I was, um, I was actually, I was away on the weekend, so, uh, I went. I was in Chicago over the weekend, and we left oh, early geez. Friday morning, so I didn't sleep Thursday night. Like I partied in the streets after the uh, after the win. I was like high fiving strangers in cars and everything, running up the streets. Oh yeah, I saw your Snapchat story. Running on pure adrenaline and decided that uh, I wasn't going to sleep that night. So I was so exhausted because I screwed myself up after the weekend in Chicago. I came back and said, you know what? I can't do it. I'm not going to go down there. And like I said, I'm not the world's biggest Raptors fan. I'm a Toronto sports fan. Um, so I was ready to soak in the moment, but it didn't mean the world to me to go down there and watch it. Um, and apparently that was the right call because uh, it was a little um, – the parade was late. Uh, people were just there Shocker. standing in the sun. It was really hot this weekend. I'm like, I don't know. It just seemed like it was really congested. And for the Raptors fans that really, that really cared, and, and there's lots of them. There was no better place to be. Um, I'm just curious. Did you guys hear about the shooting? I did. I did hear about the shooting. So I know that a lot of the international press about the parade was kind of negative and focusing on the shooting. Craziest thing is you're talking about it here in the city. Um, You know, not to minimize this or anything, but nobody died. Yeah. So it's not like it's going to be remembered as that that parade where, you know, the four people were killed in a shooting thing. I mean, it, it's almost like at least for us talking about it, the shooting becomes an afterthought, you know, because it, it could have been a lot worse. Um, you know, it, the, the conversation really has died down over the last little while about that. Um, it's yeah. interesting. It's interesting to me that you said the international press on it was more negative because in the states we just saw the highlights of of Kawhi (laughs) everybody having a good time I did yeah oh yeah it was all over Twitter like NBA Twitter was having a great time with it yes there were the reports of the shooting and I did see it and I I saw people obviously taking it seriously Um, but I mean Going back to Lakers championship parades and nights of them winning, I remember seeing videos on the news and on the internet uh, with the last two championships of people flipping over cop cars, starting fires, like actual riots in the street. So it's like I'm not surprised when you. So I was actually. I'm not. I'm just not surprised when you get that many people into a congested area that something will pop off. Well, that's more what it is, right? So like. We kind of say, you know, okay, um, it, it sounds ridiculous to say it out loud, but like, all right, so four people got shot and nobody died. You know what? Hey, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, well, I was living in Vancouver when the Stanley Cup did uh, in game seven when the Canucks lost to Boston in 2011. Um, you know, that was bad. That was the, the riot, right? I remember that. Um, I remember seeing yeah, seeing all that. You know, super messed up. Um, not at all like what we saw and, and you know maybe that's because of the win uh, and everyone just, the, the vibes were great I think the, the real important thing because um, I, I really don't know how much translates over the border but the big narrative here because there's a lot of non-believers not non-believers but there's a lot of I, there's a lot of people that roll their eyes and say you know stop saying this is a Canadian win uh, nobody on the Raptors is Canadian right like that <laughs> kind of crap the counter argument that's been great is um you know the canadian national identity which has been getting stronger over the past decade or so really is about people from all walks of life cultures religions ethnicities anything right yeah coming together and and working together um that i think is what 
the Raptors win symbolized for a lot of people, you had, you know, you want to talk about Gasol and Kawhi and Yakum. Like, Jeremy Lin. Right? Serge Ibaka. Yeah, Serge, like guys that are from literally all over the world. Yeah. Uh, coming to Canada to do something cool, that's the narrative that a lot of people are going to remember and run with um, to make it feel distinctly Canadian. It is something very important to us. Well, plus it's the fans' team, you know what I mean? Yeah. The fans are Canadian, and the arena is Well, Canada. yeah, no, of course, right? That's the, you know, <laughs> that's the obvious one. But, well, yeah, and also, like, also yeah. it's been more... Players ought to be from Canada. No, and it's, it's also been a lot more prevalent with NBA championships. When a team wins, you see a lot of the international guys are given a flag from their country to wear like in the pictures and on this on the podium when they get the trophy. Yeah. So well, the, the NBA that. is a global sport. So it's yeah, they're yeah. all about they're that. They're doing a really good job at that too. Like they're they're pushing and I think that helps the NBA's directive when an, an international team if you want to call us that wins the title. I mean that yeah. that does great things for the game. Yeah, and listen, I think Vancouver is at the top of the list of cities that could potentially get an NBA team again in the future. Like, I definitely think... That. Nobody in Toronto thinks that's going to happen. And, like, I, I mean, not just Toronto, but the the whispers on the... Uh, national sports media doesn't give much credit to Vancouver as a basketball town. I, I don't think anyone's thinking any other Canadian NBA expansion. Um, Interesting. And, yeah, I mean... I, I think the NBA, is, I think the NBA would be thinking about it. No, I think they're well, pretty far about, down the list. Uh, I don't know. That could just be me. The um, all those viewing parties that popped up. Uh, there was a meme going around of like the streets in all these different cities after the win, uh, and Vancouver just got roasted because it it looked dead. They they could not oh, no. last Vancouver. Oh no! To be fair, um, people in Vancouver specifically, everywhere in Canada hates Toronto, but. Uh, Vancouver specifically hates it probably <laughs> even more. My argument just got is shot it, down. Is completely. it like an LA, New York type thing? Like, a... um, yeah, it's it's not even like LA, New York. So the, the way that I like to explain this to people um, who just don't get it, uh, Toronto, obviously the biggest city in the country, um, but you got to remember the population of Canada is only about thirty-five million, right? It's it's pretty much. That's LA uh, County. The population of California, right? No, no, California is much more. That's like LA County. Thirty-five million. Yeah. What's the population of California? Sorry, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but yeah. <laughs> also I'm gonna stop apologizing for random stuff. I'm, I'm gonna. No, I, I got. I can't. I gotta say, LA County is around ten mil. No. <laughs> California. Okay. Excuse me. California population is thirty nine point five six million. Yeah. And so maybe kids. I know they're really close. I think there is more people in California than Canada. Okay. So the LA County is ten. I was wrong. All right. Um, in the area just around Toronto, you're probably looking at. Um, so I said three and a half million, but then if you go even further out to Waterloo, to Kitchener, to just uh, southern Ontario, there is a. You know, you got maybe 20% of the country's population there, if not a little less. So when there's national coverage about anything, right, your national coverage, you want to hit the most viewers with relevant news, uh, 
as a result, things end up being really Ontario and Toronto focused. Yeah, that so makes sense. The people on the outside, especially Vancouver, who think they live in the greatest place in the world, um, they get really mad and stuck up. And they're like, oh, the national coverage, it only talks about Toronto and Ontario. And it's like, well, yeah, man, there's more people there. Deal with it. Um, so they don't like that. But uh, I don't see, I don't think anybody sees Vancouver as a basketball town. I really don't. All right. Well, all right. Let's circle back to the Raptors. And you brought up this player before, uh, earlier in the conversation. Do you have any words on behalf of Raptors fans to DeMar DeRozan? I think, I, thank you is obviously the first one. You know, Raptors fans, everybody I've talked to, like it's the necessary sacrifice, seems to be what a lot of people are saying, that DeMar, that we couldn't win with DeMar. And, and that, that hurts to say, especially if you were, I mean, I felt terrible about how he got traded. You know, what was he found out in the jack-in-the-box parking lot? You heard that story? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, so that's, that's not how you want to treat a guy who was so vocal about how much he wanted to remain a Toronto Raptor. At the end of the day, though, it all falls on the side Jerry. The guy's got balls of steel to make that move. Um, you know, it doesn't go that way, and or if it goes any other way and let's say uh Kawhi misses the shot and philly and everything else and, and maybe it plays out differently and we don't have that conversation about Masai and he's a villain but we say thank you to demar for how much he cared i think it's important that he was a big part of the process uh you heard Masai say that too um because you don't win a championship overnight and might sound like a cliche but you got to take time to change the culture of a franchise and the, the culture in this franchise was not conducive i think to winning a championship even during the playoff years so demar was a big part of changing the culture in the city it was a big part of putting toronto on the map as a basketball city uh you remember that all-star game i think in 2016 kobe's last all-star um, game yeah 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 yeah. that was uh, but you had demar and, and kyle both playing in that game and doing really good things for the city and and for the for the reputation of the Raptors. I think he helped us a lot. And so we say thank you. At the same time, there's a lot of us that feel bad. It's not, if you could write it differently, you would. Um, I don't necessarily see how it would play out down the road, but I can tell you if, if at the end of his career or whenever, DeMar DeRozan felt comfortable enough to wear a Raptors jersey again and the stars aligned to let that happen, I would be very happy about that. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, Masai Ujiri took took a big gamble on a player who only played nine games the season prior, and there were a lot of question marks surrounding Kawhi's health, and he was trading the franchise player. But like you said, in the end, it ended up working out, and Kawhi did everything he needed needed and wanted to do in Toronto. Now, that being said, uh, you, you hope he sticks around. All right, well, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, sure. I got to ask you one more question on, and I want you to speak on yeah. behalf of uh, Raptors fans uh, because you're the only Canadian that I know. For the record, I am like, I am the, um, because I'm the only Canadian you know, I'm like, yes. I am, I, I guess if that is the sole qualification, that then I am qualified to do this. Otherwise, I don't, I don't know, man. All right. What do you have to say for Raptors fans cheering after KD got hurt? Um, okay, well. Well, how was the press? How did the press handle it? What's going on? So, well, no, the, hold on. The reaction. 
the court from the uh, from the Raptors announcers. I don't know what the uh, what the ABC or ESPN guys were talking about, but uh, the big cheering that happened right away was probably more to the turnover than the actual injury. Um, but the, the the Twitter conversation after it all was, you know, pretty. I'd say honest in terms of like, yeah, we definitely didn't want to do that. There's a lot of, uh, you know, bigger sports personalities are obviously not condoning it. And, and, you know, saying that anybody that was cheering for that injury, that's not how the game works. So I think, you know, we all get the big picture. There's always going to be a couple of assholes, man. And I will say this, and I'll say this candidly, like in game six, when Clay went down, look, I didn't cheer the fact that he got hurt. But I'm not going to tell you I was mad about Clay Thompson getting hurt in Game Six when he was going off. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. You're not like obviously you're going to take it if he's out. Like that only helps your team, right? And so I don't think anybody was like actively hurt, uh, cheering for Durant to be out of the game. But you know, when you're a sports fan in the heat of the moment, if there were people that expressed maybe something that they shouldn't have. Um, as a sports fan, I think we've all been there. I think we've all said stuff and yelled stuff at our TV that we wouldn't want anybody to hear us say in public. So, so, so how did how did the like how did the local like press and everyone paint the picture? Because y'all got trashed in America. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Like, I mean, we kind of acknowledge the situation and move forward. We're not going to stand there and, and talk about it. Yeah. I mean, like. It, <laughs> It's Kevin Durant. First of all, it's basketball in the states, so automatically you're getting a bigger. It's it's a bigger headline. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, you know, it's one of the best players in the NBA, so that helps. And then, you know, you get to do the whole blame Canada thing and make us look bad. And you know, I know from personal experience, <laughs> Eric, how much the Americans love to crap on the Canadians. So. Yeah. Um, you guys took a I, beating. That's for know, sure. I, yeah, I was just. Well, yeah, right. All of us. Like, I just, I think that's. It's a perfectly natural thing. Like, that's exactly how it should play out. Just Americans ribbing us at that point. Because our internal conversation about it, um, even in the sports media, was, you know, let's let's rationally look at what was going on. That's what I mean. Jack Armstrong, uh, color guy for the Raps, was the one that said, you know, from uh, from the floor, it sounded like they were cheering the turnover more than the injury. Uh, and I, I have a feeling Skip Bayless isn't going to be talking about that side of the story. No. And I mean, I just remember a distinct video from like behind Kevin Durant and you could see like behind the basket, an entire section of fans started like waving like goodbye to to like Kevin and like kind of like going nuts and cheering for it basically. But I mean, I. okay. Well, when it happened, nobody knew the severity of the injury. True. Okay, so what was it? He ruptured his Achilles? Yes. So. Yeah, you figure maybe he just re-aggravated his quad. You don't understand how bad it's going to be. You're just happy to see him out of the game. And, like, for that same thing I was talking about with Clay in Game 6, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you're, you're not happy he got hurt, but you're happy your team doesn't have to play him right now. Yeah, and, and you got to give credit to the Raptors you know, you, players, though, because they were quick to get on the fans to stop, like, cheering. And, like, they the, the players obviously understood the severity, and it was it was calmed down pretty quickly. Yeah, that's part of the story, too. You know, we, we drew a lot of attention to Kyle Lowry for how he handled it. Um, 
actually a lot of kudos to Kyle Lowry throughout the series. I mean, that stuff with the with the Warriors owner and that that nonsense well, in yeah. Game Three. Like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So, you know, we were roasting that guy. I don't even remember his name, but he he was Mark Stevens by by our media. Yeah, because you know Mark Stevens like. Yeah, he got roasted by everybody. Oh yeah, no, he yeah, was like, he was crucified in in the states. But all right, last two questions for you, and I'm going to combine them because because they're about the same thing. Okay. I want to hear your pitch for Kawhi to stay, and will the Raptors fans hate Kawhi if he leaves? So to, to answer the second question, absolutely not. Um, no, everyone is so grateful for Kawhi. Like we knew exactly what we were getting. At the start of this, my favorite thing about Kawhi Leonard is um, I love how stoic he is. There's a cliche about hockey players that hockey players are boring, that hockey players never have anything interesting to say. And the reason is you you look at the interviews, they're all going to crank out the same answers, especially in Toronto when the media scrutinizes them so closely. The it's all about the game it's we're going to go out there and do our job and that's part of the hockey player mentality and the hockey player culture you don't get that out of basketball players often uh, especially not with the the quiet confidence that Kawhi has um one he's also hilarious when he shuts down reporters yeah so this whole conversation the whole narrative about are you going to stay at the end of the season you know can you really tolerate the cold um is, is that actually going to be the deciding factor? Like, these are all real conversations people have. But um, because he's always been honest, we're not, nobody's gotten their hopes up. But the reason I think we like him so much is because there is a sense of relatability uh, to the hockey culture that obviously we are a little bit more involved with. Uh, at least that's why I like him as much as I do. Uh, but regardless, like I said, all that matters is that he won. And if he came to Toronto for one season only, and left Toronto with the Larry O'Brien trophy sitting in the Raptors cabinet, then, man, he literally gave us all he could and all he said he would. Now we just hope he stays. All right. Oh, I guess I didn't give you the proper pitch. I did come up with a proper pitch. Okay. Let's hear it. I would say, look, first thing I would do is I would look him right in the eyes which I guess actually that'd be the second thing I'd do. First thing I would do would be get a step ladder. <laughs> and then the second thing I'd do is look him right in the eyes. I'd be like, Kawhi, from what I've seen, the thing that matters the most to you is winning. And hopefully what you've seen over the last little stretch and, and winning the championship in Toronto, we believe here that winning in Toronto feels better than winning anywhere else you've got a fan base that is so devoted to you as a player that they're giving you all this free stuff because it would mean the world for you to stay if you respect um loyalty and if you respect a winning culture and if you want to be a part of something that is bigger than a city but you can unify a country like this that's going to be the biggest win you can have. Now, I don't know if Kawhi grew up a Clipper fan and has been just pining for the Clip show to, uh, to to get the trophy, and if that's the case, then, you know, we're probably lost here. Um, but I, I, I hope he sticks around. All right. Well, Danny, we... So I do have, I do have one last thing I wanted to tell you. If, if okay, we, if go we for have it. Time. Go, yeah, of course, go for it. 
Because there is one thing that's bothering me about the, the championship run, and I'm in the minority on this, but I think you guys will appreciate it. Um, I've said for the past handful of years that uh, for every Raptors playoff defeat, it had nothing to do with the Raptors. I was, uh, like I said, I was in the minority on this, but my opinion was it had nothing to do with the Raptors and everything to do with LeBron, because it, it could the Raptors beat LeBron? It doesn't matter. It's you know, can anybody beat LeBron in the East? And um, no, no, nobody could, right? And you know, then he leaves, and that's what clears the way for the Raps. So the thing that bothers me is that they won the championship, but they didn't get through the best player in the game. So that's frustrating. I mean, yeah. unless you want to call Giannis the best player in the game, but I'm still on the Braun train, right? So what I would love to see happen next year is uh, for the Lakers with LeBron and AD to get to the final. And I'd love Kawhi to stay, and I'd love the Raptors to get there again. And I'd love to win another one back-to-back, but do it by beating LeBron, because then I will feel like we've exercised all the demons. Okay. Well, I mean, listen, that's that's fair to think that uh, because you didn't get it through LeBron that there's a little bit of unfinished business. Now, yeah. on the other side of what you were saying, I'm all for a Toronto Raptors and a Los <laughs> Angeles Lakers NBA Finals. I'm all for a Lakers NBA Finals against whoever. So, yeah, I'm yeah. up for it. Now, I just hope the Lakers win and the Raptors lose in that situation. But, yeah. hey, we'll talk about that I'm another day. real good about the Lakers with AD and Braun. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I know, man, I know he's 35, was he 35 LeBron? But like, ah, oh, dude, he's, uh, I, he's fun to watch. I like the way he controls the game. And if, uh, you know, if the top three players in the league are Giannis, Kawhi, and Braun, you know, watching, watching Kawhi and Braun go head to head would be, uh, I want to see it again. Oh, it'd be a treat. Yeah, big. Mm-hmm. All right, Danny, we, we appreciate you so much for, for taking the time to come on with us. Uh, and we oh, definitely thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Yeah, we, we definitely want to have you on again uh, when, uh, whenever we need uh, a hockey guy. Well, that's what I mean. You guys probably uh, – look, let's be honest. It's not your wheelhouse. No. You need a hockey guy to let you know what's going on. He's getting it right from the source. Hey, listen, we had the, we had the Blues win in their first cup in franchise history and the Raptors win in their first cup in franchise history. Maybe, Damn. maybe we'll, uh, we'll start you off with, uh, next season with the NHL. Yeah. Well, I'll, um, look, I'll say this, you know, we, we don't get our hopes up about the Leafs anymore. <laughs> I mean, we say that we don't, and then we, we say that we don't, and then we all totally do. And it is the same rigmarole every single year, but, uh, Hey man, next year is going to be different. What about even with Tavares coming home? Well, so the Tavares coming home thing was cool. Like, it, it did a lot of things for the team, but yeah, hockey's not like basketball. One guy's not going to win this game. I mean, one guy's not going to win a series, especially. Um, what I find interesting, and you know what I was going to say, but the the parallel between Tavares coming back to Toronto and Kawhi possibly going to uh, going going to the Lakers, because of what we dealt with in the off season last year with Tavares, I think we're prepared. And we know that superstars sometimes just want to go home. Okay. So just kind of one other thing in the column of like, if Kawhi makes that decision, seriously, no hard feelings. All right. Well, Danny, thank you again, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care, fellas. Keep doing good work. All right. 
Man, what a conversation. Yeah, good stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, so shout out, Danny. We appreciate you coming on, bud. Thank you for all that insight. It was it was great being able to hear from someone who was there and in Toronto when it happened, what the city was like, what it meant, uh, and what Toronto basketball uh, is looking forward to if Kawhi stays. So, all right, I know everybody wants to hear us talk about the Anthony Davis trade because – it sent shockwaves through the NBA world over the weekend. I was in a CVS looking for Father's Day cards, and I almost dropped my phone because I got the alert saying that the Lakers were trading Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, the fourth overall pick, and two future first-round draft picks to the Pelicans for Anthony Davis. Now... And two swaps, right? Right, I was gonna, I was gonna get to that. So, yeah. it later came out that there was a lot more intricacies to this trade for it to really be executed. So, officially, what the trade is is the Pelicans send Anthony Davis to the Lakers, and the Lakers send Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, the fourth overall pick in this year's draft, a top eight protected pick in twenty twenty one, which if it's in the top eight. L.A. gets to keep it. But next year it becomes unprotected. That means – exactly. So that means New Orleans would automatically get an unprotected 2022 first-round pick. And then – oh, so basically if the pick ends up anywhere outside of the top eight. So if it's in the top eight, New Orleans Which gets it. you got to th- you got to believe it will. Exactly. So then here comes the swaps. There's also the right to swap – the first round picks with the right to swap the first round picks uh, with the Lakers in 2023 and an unprotected 2024 first round pick that New Orleans can defer to 2025. So basically, if they don't like the pick in 2024, New Orleans can tell the Lakers, you guys can keep that pick in 2024 but we're taking your 2025 pick. Uh, insanely, I mean, just they gave up so just so many draft picks. This kid, you know, they control the Lakers drafts for the next six, seven years. Yeah. Now, I had a lot of mixed emotions initially. Because, I mean, they got all the rights to the swaps, too. So, basically meaning, like, if they, if they want to swap picks, they get to. Yeah, but. So, they will always get the best pick. Of our two franchises. But pick swaps don't matter when your team is always going to be drafting. If you're a better team in drafting and worse drafting position. That's that's true, but <laughs> that is, but you better be winning. You know I think I mean? we're going to be winning now. You know, you, you, better, you, you better hope so. It's, been, there it's is, been a long time. There is a conspiracy theory going around that because I believe it's like 2024, 2025, one of those picks. What if that turns into Bronny James? Bronny, yeah. Then that would be crazy if LeBron was playing for the Lakers still at that point, too. Yeah, well. I got to think Tour 3 is coming for Cleveland to end it. (laughs) Yeah. Now, obviously mixed emotions initially because of B.I. and Zoe getting shipped out. But at the end of the day, the Lakers got Anthony Davis, and I knew it was going to take a lot to get him. And everyone is now saying that the Lakers overpaid and give gave up a lot. But 
at the end of the day, AD is a top seven, top eight player in the world right now. Like, you have to give up that much. If you really think about it, Kawhi went – Kawhi got traded for little. Kyrie Irving got traded for little. Yeah, and no, like, I mean, I think both franchises won big time. You know, yeah. they're, they're – you know, it hurt to see all those names go, especially Lonzo. I mean, that really hurt. I feel like that's one of the – that was that was pretty tough. That was – my favorite Laker, got it. Got to say that one. Yeah, uh, wish we could have kept him, um, but at the same time, Lakers are now instant title contenders. Yeah, and on the on the other hand, I think that man, it's tough to give up that much for one guy. Um, so like overpaying is is possible. You know what I mean? You see the list of these names in ten years, it could be overpaying, but. Uh, for the moment, you know, to be to get a title contention with LeBron, it's just you cannot have Braun go down. Exactly. If you if you got an injured, banged up Braun in his back half of his thirties, um, with AD, that's not enough. And so now all of a sudden you just you know you traded away a franchise worth of future. Any franchise that got those three players and those two picks, literally any franchise getting those five things, it changes your franchise overnight towards the future 100 percent. and new orleans is in a very good position now i think with drew holiday lonzo ball brandon ingram josh hart zion williamson and maybe the number four pick they got a they got a lot they got a lot of good things going on right now they're going to be a problem i think you know real quick especially you know i i'm really high on lonzo i'm not very high on bi uh so, but I mean, you got to meet somewhere in the middle. So it's like if either one of those guys progresses like people think or I think that they will uh, to match up with the Zion, you know, that's probably two all-stars right there out of those three guys. Yeah, and you can't forget Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday. That's one of the best defensive backcourts in the league automatically. Yeah, and I'm dismissing Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday is a guy that can be an all-star and has been an all-star in this league. Yeah. And, I, and so it's like – this team all of a sudden could be really, really good for years to come too. I mean, they got they got a couple draft picks coming up this year. They got a couple draft picks coming up next year. Yeah, a couple years from now they're going to have two draft picks. So it's like three out of the next five seasons they're going to have two first rounders. Yeah, and listen, David, and those young players they already got. David Griffin knows what he's doing, and he got exactly what he wanted for Anthony Davis. Yep. I think he's doing it the right way. Um, I also saw that a bunch kinda, of... Kind of Boston-ish. Well, I was going to say people are comparing it to the Brooklyn-Boston deal, yep. but you can't even compare that because KG and Paul Pierce and Jason Terry were way past their primes. Anthony Davis is 26, and he's a top eight player in the world t right now. Yeah. You can't compare the two deals. I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, you personally, can't. I think AD is a top five player. I think they got two of the exactly. top five players in the I'm, league. So they're instant title contenders. No one's arguing that. This is just not as fun to root for. You know what I'm saying? Like winning just, is fun to root for, though. It is, but they haven't won yet. Well, no one has won yet, so we don't get to jump to conclusions. No, it's like we don't. this is just not like it's not as fun to watch. I mean, like don't get me wrong. Once I see him on the court, all these feelings will go away. <laughs> right now, it's just anger towards like losing Lonzo, yeah. losing Josh Hart, losing all these picks. Um, when we were like for the last four years, I felt like we drafted so well, and we're just like a a, a piece away 
building towards the right direction. All these 21 and 22 year olds, and now it's just all gone. Listen, we got you, nothing. If you go back to Julius Randle, starting with him, only three players remain on the Lakers that were drafted by the Lakers. Randle's gone, Clarkson's gone, Delo's gone, Nance is gone, B.I., Zubak, Zoe, Hart, Thomas Bryant, Svee. That's a, that's a franchise worth of players. That's a whole entire roster. Yeah. And it was great drafting. Now it sucked to watch. You know what I mean? Like it was tough watching these growing pains, these young players and watching Kobe. You know, we gave Kobe his kind of his tour. Like we basically ate a whole season. Two, really? Uh, well, but the, the one before that, we weren't playing on him getting injured. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. This, and so, and I'm not going to fault the Lakers for giving Kobe. No, the money. no, I I, I'll, I'll take a two-year playoff drought for Kobe Bryant. I would. Yeah, like I really didn't feel bad about it. And then the next couple years after that, I didn't feel bad about it because I liked the young guys that we were developing. And now it's just all for naught. You know what I'm saying? But like, we it's just not bought, all we just, for naught. We just bought it, to, but it is in the in that it is in the sense of those names and seeing that product and that process work out. It's just like we just drafted really good so we could trade him to get the top two top five players. I'm going to say something that you say to me all the time when I'm arguing like this about the Lakers. This is bronze world. We're just living in it. No, and that's but that's what I'm saying. Once I see it on the court, I'll lose this animosity I have right now <laughs> towards the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, for sure. Just like how you felt, you know, with Braun, it's it's. I, I had the scapegoat of having all the young guys. 100%. With, with no, no doubt. No doubt. And now I have nothing. You know, now I got but two top five players. That's gonna, they're going to be a title contender, but it's not exciting in the slightest. I'm so excited, I'm though. Still getting, I'm, Tyler, you nah, can't. Not we're, yet. We're, I'm not there yet. I'm still pissed about it. I really am. There's so many good names. I've just, you know I guess I mean? I've just accepted it. And that, it is and what it is. I And I've accepted it, too. I know it's LeBron's team. I know that they got two top five players. I know that they're overnight title contender now. Uh, but that doesn't mean it, it feels good or I like it or I'm a fan. All right. Well, there is a lot of confusion of when this trade will officially be completed because there are a lot of different scenarios. There's a lot of players that I would love to see play with – uh, with AD and Braun role yeah. player wise that I think uh, could help this sweeten the pot for yeah. sure. So there's a lot of different scenarios that affect the Lakers cap situation and how they can use it during free agency. I'm kind of going to run through all of this and, and all these numbers are coming from Woj and Bobby Marks from ESPN. Uh, so the two dates in my, that everybody has in mind are July 6th and July 30th. So let's just keep this in mind. If the deal happens on July 6th and Anthony Davis has a trade bonus that is equivalent of $4 million, he can waive it or accept it. It's up to him. If the, if the deal happens on July 6th and AD waives his $4 million trade bonus, the Lakers will have $27.7 million in cap space that they can use to sign free agents. If the trade happens on July 6th and AD does not waive his trade bonus, the Lakers will only have $23.6 million of cap space. If the Pelicans and Lakers wait until July 30th, like some people said they might, the Lakers will automatically have $32.5 million in cap space. But July 30th is too late to go after any max free agents unless they already have a promise, which obviously technically would be against NBA rules, but we all know tampering happens, yada, yada, yada. Now, 
as of yesterday, Woj and Bobby Marks uh, from ESPN were reporting the Lakers are trying to expand the Anthony Davis trade to create the ability to open a max uh, a max contract spot by July 6th without having to to basically just adding to the pot so they can just get this over and done with, sign a max player on July 6th when the moratorium ends, and boom, the Lakers have a big three. To do that, the Lakers are offering around the league the contracts of Mo Wagner, Jamario Jones, and Isaac Bonga so that basically L.A. can satisfy all the CBA requirements to create that $32.5 million in cap space. When trading players, you got to match, I believe it's like 75% of the salary or something. There's some sort of requirement that yeah, you have to Yeah, they're just match. trying to skim, skim off a little bit off those guys' contracts worth. Right. To offload Wagner, Jamario Jones, and Isaac Bonga, or any combination of the three, the Lakers would have to get a third team involved. But the Pelicans would still receive everything that's been reported to them, and the third team would get any combination of Wagner, Bonga, and Jones. And then the Lakers automatically have room for that max player. On New Orleans' side, they're already trying to shop the fourth pick for a star player like we talked about last week. Yeah. If the Lakers can pull this off and somehow create $32.5 million in cap space by July 6th, Kawhi Leonard needs to be the Lakers' number one priority. Get out of here, man. That ain't happening. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm not saying it is going to happen. I'm not wasting my negotiating time. I just don't think. He's going to give – Kawhi Leonard is giving the Lakers a meeting. You can't not say that. Maybe. I mean, I think Kawhi Leonard's meeting list is going to go Toronto and the Clippers and then maybe somebody else. I think he's going to give the but Lakers a meeting. I don't think he gets past the 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 clip show. Well, okay. I, I just don't like I don't like I don't like Kawhi going to the Lakers. I just don't think it's going to happen. Okay, so if that's the case, sense. if that's the case, in yep. my opinion, Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler need to be uh, you can't waste your time with Kyrie either. I think you got to so go who, about it smart. So then who should they go after if they can create this max slot? Honestly, I mean, I think that Kemba. No. I think Kemba is your best bet. No. Because you got the money and you have to win now. That's the only reason you have to have a point guard. So it's like, I don't. LeBron I don't, can I, run the point. I don't necessarily want it, but I don't definitely don't want CP3. No, you know get I mean? CP3 as far away from the it, Lakers as so, possible. So because like you got to, I just think you got to take out, you got to take away um, Kawhi. You can't get your hopes up on Kawhi. You can't get your hopes up on Kyrie. I just don't think they're coming. So then Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Kawhi, is, uh, Jimmy Butler. Uh, LeBron I think, can run the point. Jimmy Butler, I think, is deserving of our time. I think we should inquire that. I don't necessarily think that that's the best fit. That's not my. That wouldn't be. My number one guys would be to fill it at that tier below the max deal, guys. Okay, so let's talk about this. If the Lakers can't get this done and create I that, don't think the max deal is really going to affect them too much outside of Kemba Walker. Okay, so... Just because I don't think that those other guys, Kawhi, Kyrie, you know, Jimmy's not really... Jimmy's kind of on the bu- bubble because, like, I do think there's a possibility he could come to L.A. There's no reason why I know of him not wanting to come to L.A., but I just don't like see that as like a great fit for the Lakers to pick him. Okay, um, so, so it's like Kemba or nothing. 
Okay. So if if the Lakers don't expand the trade and it is what has been reported, the Lakers will have twenty three point eight million dollars in cap space July sixth. Okay. That would mean they would need to spread out that twenty three point eight million dollars between the rest of the roster, basically filling it out with veteran players taking vet minimums and mid to low level exceptions. If the Lakers go this route, I saw a list of players the potential that could yeah. potentially yeah. be the Lakers targets. Those were easy names though. I so, think people get more creative with this shit. Pat Beverly, Darren Collison, George Hill, Avery Bradley, Danny Green, Trevor Ariza, Nerlens Noel. See, Pat Bev is on my list for I think sure. He's, I think but Pat I Bev is going to be too expensive. Yeah, I don't think that Pat Bev is going to want to be a Laker. I just don't see. But if he came, that would be just big time. I would. But love I think I think he should stay with the Clippers because he's the it, leader. It, when Kawhi gets to town. You know, that could be one of the best defensive teams. Oh, yeah, definitely. In the league, right definitely. off the jump. So, um, but back to the uh, the uh, the other names, it's like Darren Carlson, that's like last resort. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's if we fucking miss on everybody else. The guy that I really like that I don't understand why we haven't, probably because of the price, but I can't imagine him getting this that much money is Terry Rozier. Well, okay, so that is a good segue because but i like I Kyrie's, like Kyrie's leaving Horford's leaving now they have the Celtics have all this money they can spend I think they're just gonna give Rogier Rogier his contract which makes sense but Rogier isn't happy in yeah. Boston but Kyrie's leaving that was one of the main reasons Rogier was ha- unhappy and then you got you know and then uh I would love to see Terry Rogier in a Laker uniform though yeah. I, that would be a dope signing yeah I think there's there's players, you know, the big one big guy that if I'm the Lakers, I have to have this guy's name circle and I got to give a good effort is Boogie. I got to try to bring him back for another prove it deal. I don't I, th- I got to throw him nine you, mil. You want to run Boogie and AD back again? Just in yeah, the Laker uniform? I think that, yeah, I think that helps. I think that, and, and I think that he's I can't say it, I can't say it doesn't help, but I'm not sure if I want to deal with well, another hobbled. Well, well more so what I'm saying, more so the scenario that more would work out, I don't think that he would be like, it wouldn't be like we missed out on all the max deals and like we're spending our money and Boogie's one of them. I think what would happen is we get a max deal guy and Boogie signs a minimum minimum deal just to be on a championship contender i was gonna say i don't want that's that. like kemba if like kemba jimmy your choir Kyrie <laughs> dream like if someone like that goes and they really do make a big three like three top 15 players in the league for the lakers then boogie i think is like more likely to go but he's big time on the list i, I definitely like. don't want that july 1st at midnight or june 30th at 6 p.m now alert saying the first signing of of the free agency period is the Lakers signed to Marcus Cousins to a minimum deal. I don't want that. No, to be that's the first not. One. But it's not gonna be. So it's like that's why I feel good about saying it because it's like okay. I know that he's he's far down the domino train. You know what I mean? He's not. He's not gonna be within the first. He's not even the first two waves. You know, like the max guys go, and then those those guys like right underneath go. Yeah. He's like after that. You know, okay. because he's got to pick what. Because he's picking a team, I think, based on production, either getting a lot of playing time or being on a winner. What if Tobias came? <sighs> That'd be fucking nice. <laughs> That'd be really nice. I had never even thought about Tobias. Well, because if Philly... But I think Philly is one of those teams where I just think they're going to end up like 
uh, and Philly being says, the same team. Philly says they want to run it back. It, it's all going to depend and on I if Jimmy comes back. I think that they should, and I think Jimmy. I think ultimately Jimmy and Tobias are both going to come back. Yeah, no, that'd be fun. that'd be that's obviously a great team to watch in the East. JJ is another guy. JJ, the Lakers definitely need to go after JJ Redick. JJ, this Avery Bradley, Danny Green. Now, the reason why I would stay away from Danny Green is because he's too his worth is too high right now. Like he's going to get overpaid because he just won a championship. Like his best days, like we've seen him, he's going to yeah. be solid. He's on the wrong side of thirty now. He's going to be solid. I like him as an NBA player. He's a three and D stud, but it's like, you know, I think he's third in that list. You know, JJ, yeah. then an Avery Bradley. I'd agree then, with that. Then, well, yeah. and now you can't. And forget. like even Avery Bradley's kind of shaky. Like he's even, you know, he's been bang- so banged up. It's like, you know, what are you really going to get? But when he's on the court, he plays. Well, and now you can't forget from the news today with the Grizz- Grizzlies trading Mike Conley to the Jazz for Grayson Allen, Kyle Korver, Jay Crowder, mm-hmm. the 23rd overall yeah. pick in the draft, and then a protected 2020 first rounder. Kyle Korver is likely to get bought out from Memphis. Hell no, I'm not. I'm passing on that one. You sure. are. Yeah. That's definitely. surprising to me. That's, that's a, surprising to me. That's a 37 year old Kyle Korver, and I saw the Cavs. The last time I saw Kyle Korver in the finals looked bad and that was two years ago so like by the time he gets there again it's like i can't count we can't count on this guy to be a rotational player in the in a championship team now okay that's just how it is i wanted i just wanted to bring the name up blake showed throughout he'd love to see vince in a laker uniform this year i think he's gonna probably go to a younger team i think he's got why does he not go to toronto just because i guess of what we heard yeah probably yeah it must be maybe it's 50 50 they even want him yeah, I don't know. It it could be it, it, not sure how many people are too keen on Vince after but, what, what we heard. Okay, how about this? This this light bulb just went on. I don't know why, but Vince to New Orleans. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Roll with the young guns. Like, hey, I'm gonna be on the coolest team this year. Hey, no, we got Lonzo throwing lobs to Zion and Vince Carter. Come on now. That's a good one. Sold. Yeah. But all right, let's let's transition now back to this Mike Conley trade because that is yeah, huge, huge news in the NBA. Big time for the West. Big yeah. time for the West. I think now in the first round of the playoffs, uh, Utah's going to be at home. You know what I mean? They're going to be a home court team. They're a top four seed now. Yeah, listen, and it's an end end of an era in Memphis. They're starting a new chapter in their history. They Which have it, it is an official end, but it's been an end. You know what I mean? When Mark left, yeah, but now and, it's like and even like I think the last two years, it's like it. There's no grit and grind left. Well, yeah, you know really, I mean? like, when Zebo left, yeah, if you really want, it's it's like yes, those bodies are still flying around out there, but <laughs> it's not the same. But listen, they do have somewhat of a bright future. They have stockpiled on draft picks now. They have uh, Triple J, but. Trading Connolly, they got off his huge contract, which is And they something. made room for their guy. You yeah. Know what I mean, I think that was a smart move. I think that RJ made it really tough. You know what I mean? I think RJ Barrett is arguably the best, you know, and like I, I think Zion's number one. But RJ, everyone gives this guy a lot of credit. He was ahead of Zion going into yeah. freshman year. Now, I still got Zion over RJ. So do like, I. But we'll like, get to that. We'll but get to that. I think that he put the pressure on Memphis. Like, you got to either, you got to. You got to go get rid of Conley so you have a clear conscience on going with John Morant. Exactly. You know, so it's like. Yeah, so that's ultimately what that means. Two first-round picks in this draft, though. Uh, no, 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 no. One in this draft. Oh, well, technically, yeah, Memphis has two. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Sorry. they got the second pick and the 24th pick now or whatever. 23rd. 23rd. So, like, that's – I think Memphis got a win. And, and Utah, 
for sure got to win. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, a backcourt of Connolly and Donovan Mitchell, and then you got Rudy Gobert. That's exactly how I sell it right there. Bam, you got the best. That's a big three. You got the best defensive center in the league, and you've got arguably now probably – well, if you put into effect Clay, you got arguably the, 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 probably the second-best backcourt in the league. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, it's like it's I right would, up there. I would put CP3 has gone. Clay's hurt. I'm taking. I'm, I'm taking. taking C- I'm taking CJ number one. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. So it's like after those guys, like yeah. walls, walls, like yeah, walls, walls hurt out. and Beal's probably gone. Like all the great backcourts are kind of you know breaking up. So it's like all of a sudden Utah just got a top. We can at least safely say a top five backcourt in the league now. Yeah. And they got the best center in the league. Yeah. Best defensive center in the league. And listen, Mike Connolly is no slouch. He at one time signed the biggest contract in NBA history. Like he, no. he deserved all the money that no, he's he got. A stud. He's he's a stud and he's a leader. And it's gonna he's gonna be perfect. Um him and Donovan Mitchell, uh you know, outside like you might you could pick on their size, but those guys just play so big, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and that, that ultimately means that Ricky Rubio's time in Utah is done, mm-hmm. so it'll be. He's gonna be. He's gonna be a good pickup wherever he goes. Yeah, I would a, like to. See, I mean, I would like to see like him go to whatever team misses out in the draft, point guard wise. You know what I mean? Because just there's some with that number four pick kind of being like up in the air. You know, if number four goes to Garland, and we'll get to this later. But it's like the, yeah. depending on where the draft goes, I think that's where Rubio follows is. Does Phoenix miss out on a point guard? Does Orlando miss out on a point guard? You know what I mean. That's it, it's who got D, you know who's going to go after D'Angelo Russell and all these kind of things. Yeah. So another report came out on Tuesday, and we're going to switch teams now to talk about another backcourt. Yeah. There's trouble brewing in Houston, and did you hear Stephen A. Smith's report? Yes. Okay. So. Paul, so Chris Paul and James Harden supposedly haven't talked to each other in months. Allegedly. Allegedly. Paul supposedly has questions about Harden's work ethic, and Harden doesn't like the fact that Chris Paul takes stuff too seriously, and Harden can do what he wants on the court without having to have the same work ethic as Paul. That's basically their gripes with each other. There's... Harden doesn't like that Chris Paul gets on him. Chris Paul thinks James Harden doesn't work hard enough. Yep, makes sense. I mean, Chris Paul's got father time knocking on the door, and and James Harden's sitting pretty in the prime. Yeah. Now, there were reports that James Harden gave the Rockets a he or me ultimatum, basically telling the Rockets either choose James Harden or Chris Paul, and also that Chris Paul demanded a trade out of Houston. Chris Paul himself denied the report on Instagram because Bleacher Report came out with this whole article about it that was sourced and everything. Like you brought up this morning on First Take, Stephen A. said he talked to CP3 yesterday, and CP3 categorically denied the reports. Daryl Morey went on Twitter. I just think that that statement coming from the, you know, arguably the most – Reliable source in basketball. Most well-connected, you know, yeah. Yeah, you know, arguably right up there with Woj and those guys. I just think that, that the media got a hold of something that wasn't really there, and it's not as bad as people think. I think, you know, it went from being unsalvageable. Like, it is done. That, those done. were the words yeah, that were used. Yeah, yeah, That It's like, that's how it unsalvageable. felt. Unsalvageable. And now it's like, I think it's like, yo, they're pissed. They lost in the second round of the playoffs. 
They've got a championship caliber team. One guard is on the fringe of like, you know, Chris his legacy, his legacy is on the fringe, and the other one's like just building a monstrous legacy. Um, so it's like the sense of urgency is different between their two superstars. Yeah, uh, but I think the ownership strong in Houston. James Harden can still play. It's just Chris Paul isn't worth the headache. So it's like you gotta just get rid of him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's still he's still a top ten guard, but the problem is that but contract. You, but you, you well, he's still there's still a market for Chris Paul. Apparently, I saw a report that the Knicks turned down a trade for Chris Paul. Yeah, but they're they're not they're, that's not where they're at in their franchise. They're not trying to put all that like. He, Chris Paul's not Kyrie, you know. What but I'm saying? Basi- but basically, the market is cold for Chris Paul because of that albatross of, of a contract. Yeah. Well, and and that's <clears> what you got to deal with, you know. what I'm saying like there's, I think there's still a really good chance we see CP3 and James Harden in Rockets unit. Daryl Morey said that CP3 and Harden are fine on his Twitter, and that yeah. he's talked to both of them, and that CP3 will be in a Rockets uniform next year. But yeah. I think what, like you were saying, yes. This is getting blown out of proportion by the media, and they're trying to make it bigger than what it is. But at the end of the day, I think where there is smoke, there is fire. There's a little sum, but there's always a little sum. And there were question marks when the two were paired up originally. And that fucking video that's gone around, like the Drew oh, League video. No, the video of like in season where there are like obviously oh with the dap, yeah. And it's like that was two seasons ago. Yeah, like Trevor Reza is, is in chilling the on the fucking yeah. bench, like. Oh my god! But it's, okay, yeah. so that video is out there of like Chris Paul trying to like get on Harden oh, or dude, it makes, him. I can already just I I can picture practicing with Chris Paul. Did you? And see? I can picture practicing <laughs> with James Harden. And those are two different practices. Like one, I'm doing all these drills with someone yelling in my face. The other, I'm playing fives for two hours. There's like, a reason Rajon Rondo punched Chris Paul in the face. Nah, and I'm but that's what makes Chris Paul great at the same time. Oh no doubt. So it's like he's. He's six feet tall, if that. Yeah. You know what I mean? He has to get every ounce of everything out of – he's got to have that mindset. He's got to have that work ethic, and he's got to hold people accountable because that's what he brings to the table, leadership, skills, you know. For sure. Did you see the Drew League video th- that I'm talking about? No. <clears throat> so it was the, the summer they – I don't believe the trade was, like, officially announced, but it was that summer that it was brewing. They teamed up on a Drew League team and yeah. – I, I I do remember that. I just don't remember like the exact. So game. there's a point in in the game where James Harden hits a layup and he starts like dancing uh, during the dead ball situation because there's music playing in the gym during the Drew League and all that. But um, or I think James Harden like missed a shot or something and started dancing during the dead ball. And Chris Paul like went up to him during the dead ball and was like, "Yo, like why didn't you take the layup?" And, like, you just see James Harden dancing, not paying attention to what yeah. Chris Paul's saying. And Chris Paul, the whole essence of what they think this whole argument is about. It's just funny that that video was brought to the surface after that. And the video of uh, Harden smacking Chris Paul's dap away was brought up again when it's from two seasons ago. And I think, like you said, it's getting blown out of proportion. But yeah. there's a little something. No, there is. And also, like we said earlier when we were talking about the Lakers, keep CP3 as far away from the Lakers as possible. Yeah, I mean, luckily we traded everything we have. They're not going to take like Kuzma for Chris Paul. Like, that's yeah. just not, you know what I mean? There's no way the money would work out. Well, there's just nothing else like the Lakers have that are is valuable. They can't give them throw picks in there. They can't throw yeah. another player in there. They don't have anything that's like valuable. If this was ten years ago, that'd be a different story. Yeah. 
a few other free agency notes before we get to the draft preview because the draft is tomorrow night in Brooklyn. Yep. Al Horford opted out of his deal, leaving $30 million on the table. Originally, at first, it seemed like he wanted to work out a, a shorter term but still pretty lucrative deal with the Celtics. But I think with Kyrie leaving and everything that surrounds the Celtics with how the season went, yeah. uh, Horford kind of took a step back and was like, you know what, I'm just going to walk away and I'm going to go get paid somewhere else. He's, he will yeah. still get I – think, I think he's going he's gonna to sit back. See where the max contract guys go, and then you know. Well, what's interesting? He's gonna go to a contender, you know. I I could see if Kyrie signs with Brooklyn, I see Al Horford going to Brooklyn. That'd be cool. You know what I mean? If the Clippers, if the Clippers get Kawhi, I could see him going to the Clippers. Like I saw a report that the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Mavs were interested in Horford. Yeah, and so then it's like if there is no like if there's nothing that's like really attractive as far as like following another max guy. Then you got teams like Dallas. There's teams that are like right on the brink of being like a contender. Yeah. So it's Al Horford's going to be a piece it, of wherever he goes. That's for sure. It's pretty crazy though that he left thirty million dollars on the table. Yep. He could get. I mean, I think that he's past that point in his career. You yeah. know, and he can still offer. He's still going to get a four-year deal probably. I, I. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, two other players opted out of their deals yesterday. Harrison Barnes left twenty plus million on the table, yeah. and Chris Mil- Middleton is leaving thirteen million on the table. They're obviously Harrison Barnes. I'm not too sure if he he'll get more than twenty million a year. Chris Middleton, I think, is definitely going to get a raise, probably coming from Milwaukee. Yeah, both those guys, I think, are restructuring long term with their team. I think both those guys opted out so they could sign a four year deal this year. Yeah, then that that makes total so sense. So basically, getting like a like almost like a three-year extension you know what i mean um they could opt in and try to restructure next year but especially chris middleton like his value is high i think that's a smart move for sure opting out of that money and then just just getting with it getting that big contract while you're a hot commodity yeah definitely i I think i think um i think middleton's in in milwaukee next year yeah i I think that's a safe barnes you're right i don't know Kings are hard to predict. <laughs> yeah, they are the Sacramento yeah, Kings. They got a lot going on. But all right, let's let's close the show with the NBA draft. It yeah. is tomorrow night. I love the draft, man. This is one of my favorite events in all sports. Something interesting to note, there's usually 20 uh, green room invitees. This yeah. year there are 22. Uh, some names other than the big ones, obviously, that we know will be in the green room. Uh, the lottery picks, but uh, some names that some people might not be familiar with. Uh, Rui uh, Hachimura got a green room invite. My dog. As well as his teammate Brandon Clark from Gonzaga, also going to be in the green room. He, he's he got the NBA fooled. They're, uh, they're buying him while he's hot, and I don't think it's going to work out long term. Also getting a green room invite, P.J. Washington from Kentucky. Yep, he can play. Bol Bol from Oregon. If he wouldn't have got injured, he'd be a top five pick. Agreed. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. from USC has got, got that green room invite. My he, dude. He was a late addition. And then Nazir Little from UNC yep. also getting a green also room invite. Dude. Yeah. I mean, the 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 three big guys that like I really want, I'm like excited for is always the Seattle and the kids and the Tar Heels. Yeah. And so it's like Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be great to see him go. Um, been watching him since high school. Uh, Nazir Little, um, 
not quite as excited for him as I am Kobe White and possibly Cameron Johnson. I think Cam Johnson will probably get picked. He's a late, you know, first round, maybe second round pick. But Kobe White will be in the green. Kobe room. White is someone I'm really excited to watch play at the other level, and then obviously Nazir um, get another Tar Heel in there. But this is going to be a good draft. Yeah, definitely. And now that the the Lakers don't have a the fourth overall pick, it's now a four player draft. Well, yeah, I mean, it's uh I mean, listen, this draft this number draft four, is the fourth pick is extremely pivotal in this whole thing. I mean, I think the draft goes only one way, the first three picks. Well, yeah, Zion, Jaw, RJ. And then I just like at number 4, you know, A, we don't know who's taking it. You know what I mean? I think even if New Orleans picks there, it could be to trade to somebody else. Well, technically the Lakers are going to pick there. Uh it's like, well, that that's what I'm saying. Who knows? So it's like, who knows where this kid's going? Who's pulling the strings? So it's hard to predict. Like, are they going to go Cam Reddish? Are they go going to go Darius Garland? Are, you Jared know, Culver, Kobe White, DeAndre yeah, Hunter. All these guys. So it's like, are they going to go? Depending on there, it's like it's going to be just another dominoes effect similar to max contracts. Um, but it's like at number five. Uh, just going down the list really quick. At number five, it's Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter. I don't think I don't think Cleveland's going to pass on either one of those guys. They Agreed. Need, they need a, a a a wing player. They you know they have solid veterans as bigs. They have a, a great young point guard in Colin Sexton. They just need basketball players. Um, I like Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter. Phoenix. The only words they can even think about is point guard. They better be. Um, and that goes back to that fourth pick. So it's like if Darius Garland doesn't go at four. Uh, then Phoenix is going Darius Garland. Darius Garland does not get past six. Uh, but if he's already gone, then it's like now it's really interesting because, does, you know, I wouldn't go with the – I think the kid's like six feet tall from Purdue. I probably wouldn't go with Co- like Kobe White. I was going to say, does Phoenix draft Kobe White? Then? Kobe White could be, you know, depending on how they feel about the free agent pool, it's like – Kobe White could be the guy. He's a really, like, probably 6'5", super fast athletic scoring guard would be a nice player to put with Devin Booker, but also at the same time is kind of a similar player. I think if Phoenix doesn't go point guard, they got a promise from D'Angelo Russell that he's coming. Yeah, and and so that's a pick that could be moved because they have to get a point guard. There's no sense in them drafting any other position. Um, and then it's like – at. At seven, I just think like they have to go guards. All their all their money is spent at forward position, and so it's like I think uh, you're gonna be looking at Jarrett Culver. You know, I think he's really gonna pop up on the radar. Kobe White. I think this is another place where Kobe White could end up. Um, you know, and then it's like, and, and then moving on from there, Atlanta is in a great position with the eight and ten pick. If best case scenario, if DeAndre Hunter falls to Atlanta. You know, I've, I've worked out scenarios where that could happen. Colifer is going to be a nice piece if you're looking for backcourt. Um, and then you got all these players like Nazir Little, Romeo Langford, Rue Hachimura, all these guys that you can kind of take a um, take a stance. But of all the scenarios I want to play out in the draft, I have to play this one out. And that's DeAndre There, This is Atlanta having someone fall to them and them reaching. Okay. Is them taking – DeAndre Hunter falling, the kid from Virginia. CBS has Atlanta taking DeAndre Hunter at eight. Okay. All right. So DeAndre Hunter, a two-way player, a three, a, a, a defensive player, a forward, versatile, um, big guy. Mm-hmm. And then at 10, 
you reach all right on. bull bull okay and now now you're rolling out a lineup where you got trey young you've got kevin huter who is an all-rookie player then yeah. you've got deandre hunter who drops to you with john collins who both two promising young forwards and a bull bull a seven two shooting guard center out there with yeah. trey young and those guys yeah that atlanta team could be a lot of fun to 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 see so cbs i'm that's looking kind of my that's kind of my rundown of the top 10 um i really like rue hachimura i have him pretty high but i don't know if he's probably going to be right around the back five picks of the lottery yeah so whoever gets him they they're winning no i mean listen rue could definitely be a piece for for a team to i mean listen Gun- rue would be great with wiggins and cat like if you stuck they Rue have, in there cbs with, has rue going to charlotte and brandon clark going to minnesota yeah, Brand Clark, wherever he goes, I think they're gonna they're gonna blow it. I think Jackson <laughs> Hayes, the center from Texas, I think people are gonna reach on him because he's the best available. I'm glad they're, you he's brought gonna, him up. He's gonna be a blow it. Tyler Hero, he's solid, but he's not a lottery talent. He's he's like Jackson Hayes. He's the best center available because of Bull Bull's injury. Right. Um, Tyler Hero is the best shooter available, so that gets you a lottery pick. Yeah. Now, it's interesting you brought up Jackson Hayes because to go off your little scenario with the Hawks, CBS has DeAndre Hunter going to the Hawks at eight. They have Nazir Little going to the Wizards at nine. Mm -hmm. And then it has the Hawks taking Jackson Hayes at 10, Bull Bull dropping all the way to 20 to to the Celtics. It's a reach. Oh, see. And like the Celtics at that 14th pick. No, 20. No, but they had the 14th as well. Oh, yeah, that's true. But uh, it's like Bull Bull. That's funny. Love to see Kevin Porter or Bull Bull in Boston. Boston will set you up for success, and I want to see that from those two. That's what I have written for the 14th pick. <laughs> I've got Bull Bull or Kevin Porter Jr. But I think that they'll probably trade that pick. CBS has the Celtics at 14 taking P.J. Washington. See it? So and at 14 – I mean, and that's at, like – he's a good basketball player. I can't, like, hate on that, but that's not who I'll go At with. 14 and 20 – it has the Celtics taking P.J. Washington and Bull Bull. Bull Bull is going to be a steal. And it's just like I would love to – I just would love to see him with that cool young core. I love John Collins. I love Trey Young. Heater was a, um all-rookie player. Yeah, no, he can shoot. He can uh, shoot the lights out. You know, you got that eighth pick. It could be fun to watch. CBS has Kevin Porter Jr. dropping all the way to 21 to yeah. Oklahoma City. That's kind of where I that's kind of where I see him too. That's why 14, that's the only team he's mentioned on. It's like the last pick of the last pick of the uh the lottery. Yeah. I think I think uh I think who's going to blow it is 13 uh Miami. They're going to I think they might be the one to reach on Jackson Hayes cuz Whiteside's leaving most likely. I think No, they- Whiteside's Whiteside opted in. Oh, well, there you go. Then he that, he that. wanted the payday. Charlotte typically blows it. I feel like they – I think that Charlotte has a good chance of getting Kemba, so I think that they should match up another forward, Miles Bridges. CBS um, has him taking Rue. And, and Rue would be a good one. So, it's going to be it's gonna be fun. Yeah, the, no, the draft is always fun. I do got a handful of names that I think are guys that you're not going to hear us talk about necessarily. Um, they're going to be later picks. Real quick, Jalen LeCue brought him up a couple of times. He's going straight from – he played high school basketball last year as a fifth-year senior, going to the league this year. Super athletic, kind of a Russell Westbrook-type game, um, point guard. 
Look for him in the back half of the first round, probably the second round pick, though, 19 years old. Darius Basley, the New Balance um, intern. intern. Yep. I'm not necessarily a big fan of his game, but he has that that six nine four small forward body that plays offense. So, you know, obviously his potential is huge. He's another guy that thinks first round out of the lottery. CBS doesn't have him in the first round. Yeah, and all the – I mean, Jalen LeCue, Darius Basley, both could see them in the second round. This next guy is uh, uh, – I'd like to call him Little Draymond from Chicago – is uh, Talon Horton Tucker. He's basically like a guard version of Draymond, if you can imagine. He's like 6'4", 240. He's a guard, but he looks like a big. He's got insanely long arms. Uh, played at the famous Sibian High School in Chicago. Reminds me of Alonzo Ball. Um, but he doesn't if you saw him. Like, if you saw his body and how he's shaped, he's so he, shaped like Draymond. Yeah, he's 6'4". But, I mean, he, and he's, he's, looks, stocky. He, he he's looks, stocky. Yeah, he looks chubby. He doesn't yeah. look like he's in good shape. You know, <laughs> there's no muscle definition on his arms. Like, he's just a big kid with super, super long arms. Um, I've been watching him since high school ball. He played one year at Iowa State. I think he's going to be a fun guy to see in the league just because I think he's a hooper. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we got to talk about – we, we got to hit Taco Fall. Taco needs to be drafted. I, I think he definitely gets drafted in the second round. I think uh, – what does Boston have like four second-round picks this year? They probably do. They they didn't waste their assets on Anthony Davis, that's for sure. Yeah, because I, I think that Boston is – Boston's one of those teams that I always like to see uh, just where they go because they're such a good franchise set up for success. They can take anything. Yeah. Oh, Philly. Philly's the one that has four second-round picks. So they're a team that Taco you know, and Joel Embiid and Boban. Oh yeah, my so goodness. that's what I'm saying. Like you can see them taking a. Those oh are the kind of teams God. that like they could take a shot because they have so many picks. Well, those those would be the two perfect guys to learn from if you're Taco Fall. Yep. But all right, you got a you got a shout out before we get out of here. Man, I did, but now I cannot remember. Is again. it the three on three guy? Yep. You're welcome. It was the Sam Bullet man. Some Shout bullshit. Out here, man. Some bullshit. It, it's it's he's in a really shitty position. I respect him for how he's handling it and his decision. No, I respect his decision too. He's handling it with class. Um, he's not American, so it's like, dude, you gotta like understand that, you know, his priorities are different. You know what I mean? He didn't, even though it was a huge honor for him, and I know that he's insanely pissed off. Like he's taking it like a champ. So basically, when really behind closed doors, he's pissed off that. People won't let him. He's basically got to pick between being in the big three or playing in the Olympics. Yeah, so basically he was drafted into the big three, and then FIBA and the Olympics are allowing three-on-three to be a part of the Olympics at the next Summer Games in 2020. Mm -hmm. And FIBA is basically threatening uh, Duran – I don't even think it's a threat. I think they just outlet, outright yeah. said it. Yeah, no, they they basically a, said like, "Yo, it's you, an ultimatum." Yeah, it's either you play in the big three or and you, if you play in the big three, you lose your eligibility to play in the Olympics. And I think it's very interesting because the big three, all the Americans and former NBA players that are in it, wouldn't be the players that America would send to the Olympics for three on three. But well, this yeah. guy would play for his country in three. This on three. is the best three-on-three player in the world. I mean, yeah. this guy, it, when it comes to the world rankings and people that are at FIBA tournaments, uh, the people this that are at three-on-three, three, this is the best player uh, in the world. So it's like, 
it's it sucks. It sucks for the big three. It sucks for uh for Bullet. It sucks for his country. Yeah. Um. But you know you got you got to go to the Olympics if they're forcing your hand. Yeah, and like the opportunity to represent your country that only comes around. And I just got a, I just got a feeling. Ice Cube's gonna do something dope to. Oh, he's calling the FIBA out already so, on social something media. Something dope, you know what I mean? Something cool is gonna happen for for this guy. Like yeah. he's gonna get like Ice Cube's gonna take care of him some way. Yeah. Now my shout out is to Lamelo Ball. He announced earlier this week he has signed with the Illawarra Hawks. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that. And correctly. he's playing with the with the 206 kid. He's playing with the Seattle kid, Aaron Brooks. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, the Hawks are part of the NBL in Australia. He's the second notable young American prospect to choose to play in Australia instead of going to the NCAA. RJ Hampton is the other who we talked about a couple of weeks ago. RJ had college options, and obviously LaMelo's situation would have made it very difficult to get cleared by the NCAA so he could play in college. So obviously he had to go a different route this gap year in between high school and the NBA. The Hawks also, like you said, announced shortly after LaMelo's signing that they signed veteran NBA point guard and Seattle Hooper, Aaron Brooks. So that'll be good for Melo, I think, because he's going to get mentored by this NBA vet, a point guard in the league who's been there. He's done that. He's experienced uh, the NBA and what it is. Uh, and it's going to be really good for his development between high school and the NBA. Lonzo, baby, or <laughs> Lonzo, LaMelo, baby, he's going to be a, he's going to be a top five pick. Yeah, he's trying to be the number one, man. I already thought he was going to be a lottery. Um, I think coming out and saying he's the number one pick jumps him up. So I think he jumps up in the t- top ten, top five mark. And then going to this league specifically, uh, where I think there's good enough competition and it's far enough away from America to where it's like the perfect amount of exposure. Yeah. Um, I think it bumps him up again. I mean, Emmanuel Moutier fucking basically botched his, his – yeah. uh, college recruiting and had to play in this league and then got injured like less than 10 games in shuts it down and he got took he got took seventh overall yeah the mellows got way more hype coming in than than moody even moody did moody had hype for sure and listen Lamelo's gonna be playing against grown men again it's like we're gonna see yeah. what he can do he's just a pro basketball player at this point i mean that's how i, I look him at i look at him like you know like a luka Doncic, even though you know, I'm not trying to say like the league that Luca played in was much higher year, than this. But also LaMelo also proves his shit everywhere he goes on any court, at any level, in any league. He does the damn Yeah, and thing. listen, the N- the NBL is it, it's a very high league in terms of yeah. international basketball. Yeah. Andrew Bogut won no, MVP is- and defensive player of the year this season and then joined the Warriors for this playoff run. Yeah, no, this is a this is a legit league. I think it's it's got to be a, you know, a top 10, maybe top 5 league. So, it's big time for him to choose a good one. This is not Lithuania. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that him and RJ were going to team up, but hey, now they're going to play against yeah, each I other. Yeah, uh, my initial reaction was them play against each other, and then I changed it to play with. But it's going to be it's going to be fun to see a matchup. Yeah, and then real quick shout out to Danny Mags for joining us earlier to talk about the Toronto Raptors. We appreciate you joining us all the way live from Toronto. That was uh, something special that yep. we don't get to do very yeah. often. Timing of that is just amazing to me. Yeah. So with that, that wraps up this episode of the TSK Show. Don't forget, you can find us at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on social media, be sure to follow us at The Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. 
All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Anchor as well. And we are now on Spotify. Just type in keyword TSK show to find us. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you decide to listen to the TSK show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK show. Peace.